The One Story is TS Studios weekly podcast series where we narrate the Swaddle's long-form features at the intersection of health, gender, and culture. Urban villages of India are being erased by development. How can we preserve their histories? By Ekta Chauhan. This piece was published on the Swaddle on January 13th. 2022 Throughout my school years I was ashamed of my home address Every time my friends would ask me where I lived I would say Malvanagar a partitioned refugee colony in South Delhi instead of my real address Khidki village It is a densely populated urban village situated next to Malvanagar Even on the rare occasions my young self could muster up the courage of saying i live in khidki village it would be followed by taunts and mocking there are villages in delhi <laughs> do you have buffaloes <laughs> you're a gaonwala is that why you can't speak english as a result most of my childhood was spent trying to find out why my address had a village in it and why colonies were supposedly better My search for these answers led me to discover the importance of oral histories. The modern and posh colonies of Delhi are often surrounded by rather haphazard settlements where people still follow a caste order, raise cattle, and the women dress rather conservatively. They celebrate harvest festivals and visit tiny shrines of local deities, which are remnants of their agricultural past. Delhi is home to 362 of these urban villages each with its unique story with a rising pressure on land these urban villages have increasingly attracted attention from politicians real estate builders as well as scholars of political economy however the everyday lives of the communities stuck in this rural urban conundrum seldom receive any attention although There is no dearth of scholarly research and historical record on the city of Delhi. A comprehensive social history of its urban villages remain elusive. As most of these communities have low level of literacy, there are barely any tangible or written records of their past, except for a few family genealogies, photographs, and legal documents. These materials, however, cannot be understood in isolation. and there is a need for active involvement of the community members especially the elders to interpret these sources and understand the rich history of these villages in history textbooks oral history finds only a passing mention along with the more established and scientific sources such as inscriptions archaeological remains or coins while these are essential to reconstructing the past they paint a picture of rulers and noblemen ultimately those who commanded the resources required to leave behind traces of their lives these elite sources allow only a limited and fragmented understanding of the masses or what anthropologist eric wolf called people without a history this is where oral history comes in it allows for moving away from looking at the extraordinary remains of the past to finding the extraordinary in the ordinary interview based oral history works by understanding the value of juxtaposing personal stories 
with contemporary historical events. For example, various generations of Khidki village talk about their different memories of the Satpula Lake, a 14th century Tughlaq water harvesting dam. When mapped chronologically, these everyday stories overlap with the growing groundwater crisis in the city and allows one to obtain a comprehensive picture of water, land and irrigation policies and politics since the 1940s. Oral history is perhaps the only discipline where the source talks back to the historian. The historian is transformed into a character in the story who is continuously being challenged by the source. Oral histories thus democratize historical narrative by moving away from the hegemonic narrative and written sources, one can draw a layered and complex picture of the past. Projects archiving personal stories of the partition survivors, for example, have brought to light accounts of personal tragedies, friendship, love, and loss. This has made people look at the event through a human lens, rather than just as a political event. Both India and Pakistan now have archival organizations and museums that focus on oral accounts of ordinary citizens of the time. The COVID-19 pandemic has also renewed interest in archiving and understanding personal oral histories, especially among young adults, trying to make sense of the world constantly in flux. Khirke village is a small community of around 90 families residing in the heart of Delhi and yet carrying their age-old customs, beliefs, and practices. According to the village's traditional record keeper, a man called Khubi Singh migrated from Madhya Pradesh to Delhi along with his brothers in the 12th century and the current residents of the village trace their ancestry to him. For the last 900 years, the community has occupied the same space, witnessing the rise and fall of empires, the independence of the nation and emergence of a modern state. Those caught in this whirlwind of urbanization tell tales about how the first electric street light was installed, how the residents negotiated with the then Prime Minister Jawaharlal Nehru to not turn Khirki Masjid into a refugee camp, the changes brought about in women's mobility with the introduction of first bus service, local community theatre, and so on. My search for voices from the margins as part of my archival projects, Dilli Ki Khidki, led me to Mr. Puran Singh, a 90-year-old who still works as a gardener. And thus, after 27 years of living in Khidki village, I finally entered the street assigned to the Dalit community. The only memory I had of this street was how we used to be reprimanded for taking that route to school by our grandparents. My four-hour-long conversation with Puran Baba revealed first-hand information about his community's struggles with untouchability and stigma, segregation of living spaces and resources, such as the village well till it was in use, their limited access to public spaces, persisting effect of the generational wealth gap, and so on. Furthermore, it also challenged my privileges and identity. It is stories like his and many others from the margins that are at risk of disappearing forever, if not recorded and archived for posterity. Oral history continues to be dismissed as a soft approach. Information obtained from non-expert interviews 
is often accused of being subjective and uninformative and thus unable to contribute to any larger narrative of the past. However, subjectivity can hardly be treated as a charge in a discipline like history. Subjectivity warrants a more in-depth analysis of the issue and can bring out more diverse viewpoints. For example, while documenting the land acquisition process of urban villages through oral accounts may be dismissed as personal experiences of individuals, a collective reading of the experiences may offer insights into the legal functioning of the state of the time. Establishing the accuracy of personal memories is as difficult as determining the accuracy of any other retelling of the past events. Thus, training of oral historians is essential to ensure that they can record and publish without biases. Indian historians and institutions are waking up to the potential of oral history as a legitimate source of understanding history. An ever-increasing number of projects are documenting oral knowledge and traditions of previously unexplored social groups, geographical areas, and individuals. This is a promising development in a country where the past is often distorted in the absence of reliable and comprehensive resources to suit the needs of the present. With a more democratic record of diverse voices, one can be hopeful that we are already making sure that our times and our lives are not misrepresented in the future. This podcast is brought to you by TS Studios, the production company that brings the Swaddles storytelling and creative point of view to original podcasts and films.